I knew it was a high stakes risk, you know, but I guess uh, the way I raised myself was to do what it takes. It's just not cool, you know. Robbing people's not cool. We've all messed up. There's big mistakes and smaller ones, but nobody is immune from making them. When we really screw something up, we might think that we've broken things forever. How can we possibly pick up the pieces left behind by some of our choices and keep going? To err is human and to talk about it is honest. This is How I Broke This, the show about our big bad breaks. I'm Holly Hutchings. There's a certain stereotype that goes along with ex-cons. Think about it. Imagine someone in prison. What does that person look like? Are you envisioning someone with arm-covering tattoos and a hardened, scary demeanor? Well, my guest today has one of those. Well, two if you count both arms. Although his ink definitely says, it's quite possible I went to prison. His thoughtful and frank personality says, I'll tell you about it because I think it might help you. His life path was not an easy one at all, and it led him here. Yeah, well, I uh, did an armed robbery, and I got 30 years, did uh, 14 years in, in prison for armed robbery. The reason I did so much time is because of how the prison system set up. It wasn't my first trip. You know, you go there with a little stupid charge, and then... Uh, that's a whole another story and then you tend to go back 98 percent of people go back so you know why I did what I did is irrelevant you know it was just uh I guess pride gets in the way of asking for help so before you did the robbery yeah what was your life kind of like oh it was crazy pretty much I raised myself since I was 13 my mom and my stepdad were drug addicts they snorted away our you know everything kicked me out when I was 16 because she had an, uh, uh, a new life with a new husband, so she kicked me and my sister out. And then uh, when you're living on the streets, you just learn. I'd never done drugs before I went to the streets. But then, uh, this is back in 87, 86. So then you um, try to keep going to school for a minute. That doesn't really work out too good for someone that's raising themselves. For most people, I know people that have done it, but um, I ended up. Um, selling drugs so I did that learned how to make it did that for a minute so so how old were you when you did the robbery I was 27 26 when I did the robbery what happened was uh I was doing all this stuff but then I met this girl and um, she had a four-year-old daughter and you know you can't have that stuff around kids so but I was already on parole and on the run but I'd quit, I quit, I quit doing it and was working two jobs, but she came from a dysfunctional family. So uh, she had a, a stepdad that wasn't real cool to her. And so I came home one night from work and uh, she had her, uh, her daughter was asleep on the love seat And um, her stepdad was uh, having sex with a pillow on the couch. So 
I snatched the girl up. Her name was Brooke. I snatched her up. And, um, being how my mind works, I contemplated, uh, murder. I contemplated murdering him and just, uh, getting rid of the problem, but I was really trying not to go to that extreme. So I snatched her up, snatched her daughter up, and then, um, I took dude's truck from him. And I was driving around, I was trying to figure out how to get get her and her kid up to my dad's place in Oregon so I could come clean up my parole, which was, uh, I had eight months to clean it up. And uh, we happened to be at a barbecue, and I was trying to figure out how to get up there instead of just calling my dad and asking him for the money. I don't know why I never did that, but so it was uh, Labor Day weekend on a Sunday. And I had been drinking, so I had my friend's son, who was 16, drive me to the store. And then we were leaving the store, and he's like, did you hear that? There's, that lady said there's like uh, $4,000 in that drawer. And I'm like, oh, well, that's what I need. i got to go drop you off. And I went and dropped him off and robbed the store. And I did about, uh, I don't know, seven miles away. And a good Samaritan had seen the license plate on the truck. So, uh, they got me. (laughs) So it sounds like you were desperate to fill this need of, like, getting away from this terrible man. Yeah, it's just, there's, there's no right way to do wrong. At the moment, though, it must have kind of felt like, Oh, my oh gosh, yeah, that is perfect. Oh, I was, yeah, a little bit of Jim Beam and <laughs> lack of common sense, and you know. Well, and you kind of are driven by that adrenaline of, you know, like you're pissed at the guy, you're in go mode, you're getting out of here. Yeah, that didn't work out that way. How soon after did you realize? That was not the choice that I should have been making right then. I knew it was a high stakes risk, you know, but um, I guess uh, the way I raised myself was to do what it takes, you know. It's just not cool, you know. Robbing people's not cool. It's just... uh, well, it makes you can it, try and justify it however you want, but it's, you know, I mean, there's other ways to go about stuff. So Guy got arrested for the robbery. In jail, he started in a program called High Step that helped people in his situation. Then personal and national tragedy struck, and he knew things needed to be different in his life moving forward. When you raise yourself and you, and you choose a, an, an outlaw lifestyle, you end up being a hard line about law enforcement and and cops and all that stuff. So, But then while I was in there, a lot of things happened in that period of time from getting arrested that I guess you would say uh, solidified my want to change. 
anything you'd want to share or is it kind of private? No, I don't. It, it's all it's all okay. Um, I had a co-defendant who had a family. He was an old biker guy. And uh, I asked him, you know, if he wanted to ride along when I went and pulled this lick. And he's like, yeah, sure, I'll go with you. So then we got arrested. I didn't want, he, you know, he he had a life and a family. And I don't know if I totally, uh, he knew what I was doing. But um, so what had happened was I told him to go ahead and testify against me to get a lesser sentence. You did? And did he? Well, I shouldn't it? have put us in that position. You felt responsible for his future Oh, of course. And then, uh, so he did that. I got him to, and that, that took some coaxing because, you know, he's just an old biker guy. And But I finally got him to do that. And so I was going to plead guilty. And then uh, he had wrecked his bike and he got killed. But when he did that, there was a, a sheriff's deputy who uh, who took the time to uh, console me, and then his name was uh, D.I. Jones, and uh, well, the prison had decided they wanted to come get me before I was finished with the program, so they were coming to get me, and Deputy Jones, he pretty much uh, screamed and yelled and did everything he could do to keep me there. But uh, it didn't work, but it changed my point of view about cops. You know, because if uh, growing up here, we had a, Washoe County Sheriff was no joke back in the day. <laughs> that was one of the changes that happened. So Ralph died. Deputy Jones stuck up for me. Uh, got to prison. And then, uh, as corny as this sounds, 9-11 happened. And um, it kind of put things in perspective. In what way were you? I was, you know, this... this fairly intelligent, you know, never viewed myself as a bad person, but um, it kind of puts in, in life a well, you know, is this where you want to be? Is this what you want to do with your life? And then you, so you get in there and, you know, being who I was and who I knew and, you know, things are kind of given to you when you get there and, you know, had one of the homeboys come by and drop off a bunch of dope and I'm like, nah, I'm cool. You know, they're like, well, sell it and get you some stuff. Nah, I'm done messing with it all around, so. So you really felt like there were a couple of these turning point experiences while you were in prison that kind of solidified yeah. who you already were as a person, but like who you knew yourself to be and wanted to be. Yeah, it reminds you of, you know, you get, you get choices in life and you make choices on, on decisions and, 
you know, I'd already made all the wrong ones, and so I wasn't going to continue to do that. I went in in 96, got out in 99 for a hot second. If you laughed, you'd be like, this guy didn't catch a break. But the thing is, is that uh, you have to make your own decisions, and, and, and they're your decisions. You know, you can, oh, well, you know, this guy had a crappy life, blah, blah, blah. But I know all kinds of people that have done the same thing, but they just made different choices, and I was good at making the wrong ones there for a while. Prison gave Guy the chance to really think about the person he was and wanted to be. In prison, I started going to the, the sweat lodge. and Which is what? It's a Native American. I guess you'd call it a church if it, um, in order for... Christians to understand they would, they would call it a church so it's where you go to figure out you know who you are get rid of what you don't need and mm-hmm. you know stuff like that so I did that and continue to do that he makes it sound like the decade and a half he spent in the Nevada prison system helped him get to this spot so what do you want from your life now now that you basically you're young you're in a good place you get to kind of make this life with all this experience now. What do you want it to be? Well, I, uh, I'm pretty successful in every aspect of my life, and now we're working on the, uh, the financial aspect. So that's, that's my next goal is to, to get this business up and running and, and be successful at it. Also, as Guy builds his life in the years since leaving prison, he's met and gotten to know a daughter he hadn't seen since she was a toddler and was a woman when he got out. Did your daughter let you in? Oh, yeah, she wrote me, and, uh, you know, I... Whether what her mom did or it was right or wrong is is not here or there, but so I just told her, well, your mom... Whatever your mom says is is how it's going to go because... uh, I was, uh, I was selfish and, you know, I didn't know when she was born if she was mine or not because her mom's infidelities, but there's no, you look at her, you know, you know who her dad is. Can't get away from that. So I seen her when she was, I think the last time I seen her, she was three and then I seen her and she was a woman. So, uh, when I got out and, uh, yeah, she's cool. She's awesome. Wow. Now you have a grandson. Yeah, who's just, uh, he's amazing. He's he's cool. Loves motorcycles. <laughs> you said kid. he's three? Yeah, he's two and change. So he'll be three in, in July. Oh, so, my gosh. Yeah. That's a fun age. Oh, it's he's, wild. <laughs> he's, almost, he's almost big enough to put on the Harley, so. After I got out, mm, started to get on my feet. I met uh, my girlfriend and she's still, she's still with me today, so doing something, right? <laughs> she's good, she's strong, she keeps me in check, which is, is good. She calls me on all my stuff, so. I think that's important to have a strong partner like that, you know, like, yeah, you have who to will have... be honest with you with your Exactly, <laughs> and isn't intimidated or, um, you know, wooed by 
charisma or whatever mm-hmm. else, she, you know, she, uh, oh yeah, she calls me on it. That's the best. I mean, because I think that challenge makes you a better person and it makes you, I mean, it holds me more accountable day to day being like, yeah, would Mark even <laughs> be happy if I was doing that or that? Yeah, and they they support you in what you do, and you know that's a big a big thing. I guess they see you for who you are and how to help you get the best out of yourself. So, family, business, Carol. Yeah, friends. Like, Since friends. I've got out, I've m- met the governor twice, and through charity things that I've done, and he's a pretty good guy. And then I meet uh, everybody from the gym is. Coach Muss, that guy's, he's cool. He's pretty cool. I know everyone there is so, I don't know if it's like humble or down to earth or what exactly you would call it. Yeah, they're open. They're open. You know what I mean? They, uh, you know, I don't hide who I am or what I've done. Yeah, I and mean, everyone still loves you. Yeah. I mean, the tattoos, you just kind of, they kind of give you away. You know, they're not some street tattoo but you don't get treated differently because of whoever you are no that gym is pretty cool it's not like i've been to other ones and they're not they're, they're <laughs> definitely not the same everybody wants to be tough at the other ones this oh. one we we laugh and joke is there anything you wish people knew about you or that you would want people to know about you uh Do you think people assume anything about you? Uh, I don't worry about that because if if you're going to make a superficial assumption, then, you know, you're not the kind of person that I want around me. So, you know, it's just like me assuming that everybody that wears a badge is a, you know, is a closed-minded individual that everybody with tattoos or been to prison is bad. And, And when you take the time you know I mean if something happened to your kid would you you're still gonna call the cops right so they can't be that bad of people same with you know any other walk of you know just because had I made the assumption that Fletchie's coach had I made the assumption that uh coach was going to be who he was because of where he is at in our community or had he made the assumption that you know who I am because of where I've been in the community, then I think we would have both uh, lost out. Yeah, you miss out on good relationships. Yeah, for being closed-minded, you know, and that's the same thing with uh, things that are going on now. You know, they try and keep us apart, fighting over dumb things. You know what I mean? I think that divisiveness is really useless. Like you were saying, most of us are more in common than we don't and we can actually get things done or be friends we don't always have to be like black and white yeah world's full of color and you want to live in a black and white world it just doesn't work that way to make it through uh, uh, that much time in prison and all the crap you see that goes on there and then to make it through without most people end up coming out of their racist it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is because you tend to not 
there's a lot of good people there that um, are are good people that made dumb stuff. But there's a lot of people there that you know that's that's the best place for them. And uh, those are the ones that you have to stay away from because they'll f people feed on negativity and to make it out with your integrity and without being a racist is that's a pretty good one too pretty good accomplishment you know there are people that out here that are in their own prisons so the inability to unload <laughs> you know always say just you know kick some dirt over it and move on what would you tell somebody maybe who feels like things are over because they're royally screwed something up. It's like, not. Don't let one one moment in your life uh, define who you are, you know? So if you could change anything that happened, I know that is a big ball of wax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but if you could change anything, would you? I don't, I don't think I would because... Uh, I'm kind of cool with who I am now, you know. You know, you just continue to help people and and uh, allow people to help you. Yeah, is that another lesson you feel like you've gleaned from this whole thing? Is to oh yeah, also be open to accepting the yeah. help. Yeah, if you were, you know, because it all boils down to, if, I mean, a phone call. <laughs> just make one phone call. But then if you made the phone call, where would you be? Who knows? And last question. It's a cheesy one. Okay. Are you happy? Oh, yeah. Heck, yeah. I'm good. You know, I'm, uh, grateful you know, I have my uh, my little family and six dogs that <laughs> are always entertainment yeah life's good thank you for listening to how I broke this if you have any guests in mind that you think would be a good fit for our show, email me at howibrokethis at gmail.com. Be sure to also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at howibrokethis. Join us again for the next Big Bad Break.